Hi, it's Erica Kohlberg. And before we dive into today's podcast episode, I have an exciting announcement that can help you save an extra $1,000 without having to penny pinch or change your lifestyle. On Monday, I'm running my free five-day savings challenge where you'll discover simple and creative ways that you can save extra money every month. And whatever you want to do with that extra money is up to you. I'll just show you how to save it. The challenge is totally free to join. All you need to do is go to erica.com slash go. Erica is with a K and you can secure your spot. By the way, these strategies that you're going to discover can help you easily save money, whether you're a budgeting novice or a finance expert, and they're going to get better and better throughout the week. But I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this and don't want you to miss out. In November of last year, we ran a savings challenge and had over 200,000 people sign up. And on average, people saved $1,005 that month through what they learned in the challenge. That means our challengers collectively saved over $200 million. So trust me when I say you don't want to miss out on this one. And the deadline to sign up to be part of this free challenge is Sunday, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you secure your spot and get free access today. Again, that's erica.com slash go, E-R-I-K-A dot com slash go. See you inside. Hey, it's Erica. So after we launched episode 61 with Dr. Julia, I had a lot of people message me saying that they could relate to our conversation about anxiety and burnout. And when I think about the podcast this past year, there have been so many parts that I've absolutely loved, but then some parts that I think honestly contribute to my burnout as well. First of all, I love the impact it has. There is nothing that I look forward to more than reading the reviews that you leave on this podcast. And when I see a review saying something like an episode has really resonated with you, it absolutely makes my day. So first of all, thank you for those of you who do leave those reviews. They mean a lot. And that's what I love about the podcast. But in terms of things that I feel contribute to the burnout, one thing that you may not know is that for all except for one episode of the podcast, I have had to travel. I've had to fly to the interviews myself. And this year, I found that that's been really exhausting on my body. And because of all this traveling, I feel like I'm just always sick or always on a plane, and it's been pretty tough on me. So what I wanted to do for the final episode of the year is leave you with an episode that I feel like is a good reminder for all of us to treat ourselves well. I know that sometimes it can feel like all you want to do is reach the next level of your career or whatever your goals are, but sometimes you really need to take a step back and take time to treat yourself well and care for yourself and make sure that you're getting the proper sleep and not falling into these traps of burnout. So this episode is with Ariana Huffington, who many of you might know as the founder of the Huffington Post. She was named one of Time's 100 Most Influential Women and is just all around a powerhouse. And so in our conversation, we talk about some of the things that she's learned through her career, but especially her realization that you have to prioritize sleep and the way you treat your body in order to excel in your career and all the other areas of your life that you want to excel in. And also, relaunching this episode means that I get to take the week off too. So I hope that you have an amazing rest of the year and an incredible next year. It has been an absolute honor being here with you every single Tuesday for this podcast, and I can't wait to continue to learn together. Thanks, everyone. Well, I actually collapsed from sleep deprivation, exhaustion, burnout, hit my head on my desk, broke my cheekbone. And that was the beginning of my recognition that 
Burnout was not just my problem, but a global epidemic. I think people who are burnt out are more likely to be depressed and anxious. So I wish somebody had told me that uh, taking care of myself, taking time to recharge is actually the best thing I can do for my performance and my productivity and my career. Live life as though everything is rigged in your favor. We are always going to make mistakes. If we just learn from our mistakes and move on and come present, then we save so much energy, we can bring joy into our lives so that we don't measure our life just by how productive we are, but how joyful we are. I'm Erica Kohlberg, and you're listening to the Erica Taught Me podcast. You guys know that I love investing because you know that if your money is just sitting in a bank account, you're losing out to inflation every single year. That's why you invest it so that it grows for you without you having to put in any extra work. I've been using an investing app called Webull for almost four years, and I had them do something really special for my listeners. By using my link to sign up today, you can get between six to 12 fractional shares for free. All you need to do is open an account and deposit any amount, even a dollar, to claim your free shares. So just by depositing a dollar, you'll get between six to 12 free fractional shares. And if you're wondering what to actually invest in, we talk all about investing in episode 28. So go ahead and listen to that episode. To claim your free shares through my special link, just go to ericataughtme.com invest or click the link in the show notes. And it's Erica with a K. Again, that's ericataughtme.com invest. I wanted to start off by asking you, a lot of people look up to you for career advice now. What's something that you wish someone would have told you early in your career? So I wish somebody had told me that uh, taking care of myself, taking time to recharge is actually the best thing I can do for my performance and my productivity and my career. There is this huge mindset shift that is happening right now, and I wish it had happened earlier for me, when instead of my believing that uh, burnout is the price I had to pay for success, that's what I wish I knew earlier. Yeah, because you had, I believe it was in 2007, you had a very real realization that you just can't press your body that far. Well, I actually collapsed from sleep deprivation, exhaustion, burnout, hit my head on my desk, broke my cheekbone. And that was the beginning of my recognition that burnout was not just my problem, but a global epidemic. And um, at the time I was running the Huffington Post, so we started covering these issues on HuffPost. And by 2016, I decided, Erica, that I didn't just want to raise awareness. I also wanted to help people change behavior, which is hard, but doable. And so I wrote two books, Thrive and The Sleep Revolution. And in 2016, I decided to leave the Huffington Post and start a new company, um, behavior change technology company called Thrive, to help people change their daily behaviors, and as a result, improve their health, productivity, and um, mental health, mm -hmm. which is becoming a bigger and bigger issue since the pandemic. 
When you look back at your collapse, what are some of the warning signs for burnout that you wish you would have seen in yourself before that collapse happened? That's a great question. So what is interesting is that when you are burnt out, you don't even realize that you are burnt out sometimes. Right now that's changing because there's so much discussion around burnout. But in 2007, if you had asked me that morning, Ariana, how are you? I would have said fine because I had gotten so used to being perpetually running on empty. So um, now we have a lot more recognition of what the signs are. Obviously exhaustion, but also cynicism, Mm. you know, feeling kind of negative about everything. And then um, your own personal efficacy, your own self-worth suffers. So these are sort of signs. The World Health Organization has acknowledged them um, in 2019. So all that is happening in real time. And as we see in the news, Erica, there are still a lot of leaders who have not acknowledged and recognized um, the science of performance. I mean, look at Elon Musk. He's actually a cautionary tale about how not to lead. You know, he brags about working 24-7, seven days a week, and doesn't make the connection between being exhausted and making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, the fact that he's brilliant shows that you can be brilliant, but still um, not really acknowledge and and live on the science of uh, top performance, which athletes are doing. You know, you see athletes talking about how recovery is part of peak performance. Mm-hmm. When you were starting your career and growing in it, what were the cultural signals that indicated to you that, okay, I if in order to succeed and climb up the ladder, I do need to push myself harder and create this work ethic that we know now know is quite bad for you, this burnout ethic? Well, it was all around us, still is, but now we're in the middle of a cultural transformation. And um, there are some trailblazers and there are some laggards. But when I was starting my career, it was universally assumed that you had to be on 24-7. John Bon Jovi sang, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It was um, a very different mainstream culture. Uh, You know, people bragged about how little sleep they got or answering um, work um, in the middle of the night, etc. That's changing. Now a lot of people compete about how much sleep they got. I'm wearing my aura ring and, and I track, you know, my sleep and my deep sleep and my REM sleep. So the, the pandemic, which has been so hard and has been so painful for millions of people, is also a catalyst for fundamental change and gives us a once-in-a-generation opportunity to redefine how we work and live. Do you think that change and the catalyst has to come from the top? Does it have to be your boss telling you, okay, I don't expect you to be answering emails at 11 p.m.? Where does that change need to come from? Oh, everywhere, everywhere. 
Um, of course, it's great if um, it comes from the top, but people can't wait to be given permission. This is their life, and it's not a dress rehearsal, Erica. So when we look at the chronic diseases that are proliferating or the mental health crisis, we see that people are paying a heavy price. And so they need to take action themselves. I mean, I know you did when you left your high-paying job to start your own company because they were not able to allow you to deal with a medical emergency. So I think obviously people have to do it in a way which doesn't leave them at risk financially, but definitely their intention needs to be um, to work somewhere where they can do amazing work. I mean, I love my work. I think it's fantastic to have a job you're engaged in, but rejecting hustle culture and rejecting the idea that you need to burn out in order to succeed. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, let me guess. You have a passcode on your phone. And let me take another wild guess and say that you have a password on your computer. But why are so many of us okay just being completely unprotected online? We have no idea who has all our personal information online and whether it's the good guys or the bad guys who might be selling your information or worse. We're talking spammers, telemarketers, robocallers, people who want to know more about you and even where you live. My sister had her data leaked online and because of that, her identity was stolen and it was a nightmare to deal with. We had to lock down all her credit cards just for starters. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Aura, a sponsor of this episode. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. When I discovered it, I knew I had to try it out just to see if my information had been leaked online, which they let me see instantly after I signed up. And get this, for my audience, they're offering a free 14-day trial so you can see if your personal information has been leaked online. To find out now, go to ericataughtme.com slash Aura to claim your free 14-day trial. Erica with a K and Aura is spelled A-U-R-A. Again, that's ericataughtme.com slash Aura. And I'll also leave the link in the show notes. I love the concept, but I, I can already see my 26-year-old self when I first started at the law firm saying, well, if I decide that I'm going to set these boundaries and prioritize sleep and not answer emails after a certain time, there's always going to be another fresh-eyed law graduate who is going to outwork me. And there's also that extra level of, well, I'm a woman in a male-dominated industry of law. In order to be able to stand out, I need to work harder than everyone else. So I just find that, isn't it tough as a young person starting out in a career to practically apply this? I think it's a question of working smarter. I think hard work is a given. I don't think there's anybody who can succeed without hard work. Um, work through all hours has diminishing returns. So I think, again, we need to look at the science and we, look, we need to look at data. Uh, look at yourself if you are working 24-7. Are you making good decisions? Is your judgment uh, where it needs to be. If you're a lawyer, what your clients expect from you is your judgment, your counsel, and your decisions. I wouldn't want a lawyer who is sleep-deprived. 
so again, that's the mindset shift that has to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's a revolutionary mindset shift because since the Industrial Revolution, we have uh, revered machines. And the goal with machines and with um, software is to minimize downtime. But for the human operating system, downtime is not a, a bug. It's a feature. And when we realize that, we see that there is no trade-off between our sense of well-being and our performance. The two go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. When you started looking into the science behind sleep, what surprised you the most? What surprised me is how um, unequivocal are the conclusions. Now there are thousands of scientific sleep centers around the world, and the conclusions are universal, that sleep is foundational, both to our immunity and to our cognitive health. If you want, it's the supercharger to our cognitive health. And you may, uh, you may be thinking, well, how much sleep is enough? Well, there are some people, actually between one and one and a half percent of the population, that has a genetic mutation and they don't need a lot of sleep. But if you are in the majority, it's between seven and nine hours. I'm an eight-hour girl, and uh, I prioritize it. Now, there's always going to be nights when I have a delayed flight um, or something happens and I can't get the sleep I need. That doesn't matter. What matters is what happens every day. Mm -hmm. It's not what happens occasionally. And how are you making sure that eight hours of sleep that you do get is high quality? Well, um, I believe, and we practice that with um, the people we work with in different companies, I believe in a transition to sleep. So the first part of the transition is kind of declaring an end to the working day, because the truth is nobody has a real end to their working day. I'm sure you could stay up all night um, answering texts and emails and handling things. So you need to declare an end. Make sure you handled all the priorities. Be comfortable with incompletions. You'll handle the next day. And um, the ritual that marks the end of my working day is turning off my phone and charging it outside my bedroom. Sometimes I really try to prioritize my sleep. And I know that creating that routine of turning off my phone is the best way I can do it. But it's also very hard to create the routine it's easy for me to do maybe one or two days, but then I find that I, I can't be consistent. Yes. Well, start somewhere. That's what micro steps are. You start somewhere and then uh, you do it one day and then you see how you feel, that you slept better, you feel better, and then you do it again. I recently went on an anniversary getaway with the husband and it was beautiful. Here's everything I got for free. We got free business class tickets for an international flight, which meant, yep, you guessed it, I got free access to the lounge where we could kick things off with a glass of champagne. Then we got a free stay at a five-star hotel where we could relax and go to the beach. Okay, so now I'm sure you're wondering how I got it for free, and you know I don't gatekeep, so here's the insider knowledge you need to know. I did it by signing up for a free built credit card. 
Built is a credit card that lets you earn points just for paying your rent. And there's no extra fee. And when I say free, I mean free. There's no annual fee for the credit card, and they don't charge a transaction fee for paying your rent with the card. You'll also earn two times the points on travel and three times the points on dining. Once you get your points, you can transfer them to travel partners like airlines and hotels to then get the free business class flights or five-star hotels like I did. To sign up for this card, go to ericataughtme.com built. Erica is with a K and built is B-I-L-T. Or to make it easier, go to the link in the show notes. Again, that's ericataughtme.com built. I also read that there's something about the light that your phone emits that does make it harder for you to fall asleep. And when you do fall asleep, you have worse quality sleep. Is that, have you heard of this or is that true? Yes, of course, the blue light, yes. Um, the blue light is another factor, but also the fact that your phone is the repository of every problem, every project you are dealing with. So you need to separate yourself from it in order to be able to get a good night's sleep. Mm. So that's the big one thing we should do is everyone put their phone to sleep before we actually go to sleep. Yes. I think, you know, I'm, it's not about should. It's about whether you want to have a great day the next day. You know, whether you want to drag yourself through the day feeling exhausted or whether you want to wake up feeling ready to take on the day and all the challenges. It's a choice. Yeah. How do you think your career would have been different if you had learned earlier on to prioritize sleep? Do you think you would have been able to accomplish as much as you did? You see, you don't really believe in what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) I, I believe in some of it, but I also... I think you are confusing hard work with work that has diminishing returns. I've always worked hard. I work hard now. I love my work. I feel very blessed. But... If you look at the science, Erica, you see that working through the night is not going to be your best work. I think it was just my career upbringing was the law firm. I mean, you had, even as an intern at the law firm, I had to work all-nighters. And I remember it was a badge of pride to be able to say, oh, I've worked all-nighters, like I was working on this deal. Right. And then when I started as a full-time lawyer at the law firm, There was this one time where we were working until 4 a.m. multiple nights in a row. And then one day I was working till 4 a.m. And then I woke up at 8 a.m. instead of 7 a.m. when my boss wanted me to be online. And he scolded me. He was like, Erica, I'm so disappointed and you can't do that. So in my career specifically, the which it was the big law firm, it would not have worked for me to say, oh, I'm gonna be sleeping eight hours. So that's the only reason I'm skeptical for this specific subset of my career, which was big law. Absolutely. I think big law is still having a hard time accepting the science. Um, Medicine is another profession where residents and others have incredibly long hours and make terrible mistakes, make mistakes that cost people's lives. I mean, if you look at the mistakes being made by lawyers. I mean, I remember just one case of a lawyer who was very hardcore. She didn't believe in any of that well-being stuff, um, worked around the clock. When the day came for a big trial, she was a trial lawyer, she had a panic attack. She could not 
she could not show up in court. So that we pay a big price that is hidden by buying into the being on all day and all night. And you did the right thing. You left. And, you know, I think people need to either find law firms that are a little more advanced and prove. I think people can really prove that they're going to be better lawyers. I mean, you know, it's... What do clients pay you for? They pay you for your judgment. They pay you for your counsel. We know from science that when you're exhausted and depleted and running on empty, it's a little bit like being legally drunk. Would you want a drunk lawyer making decisions for you? Then why would you want a lawyer who'd been on 24-7? Yeah. When did you decide to start it? Was was it right after your collapse? Or it was quite a bit... It was... Nine years after? No, it was 2016. It was uh, after I had been covering these issues at the Huffington Post and raising awareness. And then I wanted to help people change behavior. Are you happier now doing what you're doing versus when you were running the Huffington Post? I loved running the Huffington Post. I think uh, I love what I'm doing now. Um, I feel incredibly blessed to be doing something that has a real impact on people's lives and that has become very much part of our mainstream conversation since the pandemic. With the pandemic, we saw all all of these companies moving to this work-from-home model. Do you think the work-from-home model makes it actually easier for employees to be able to prioritize their well-being? Um, Not necessarily. (laughs) Um, I think right now, the majority of companies have a hybrid model, two, three days at the office or work from home or completely remote if they have employees who are not near any office. I think the key is if people are not in the office all the time, you need to create rituals to build the social capital that we lose because we're not running into each other in the kitchen, being able to have this Uh, conversations about our lives that Mm -hmm. bring us closer to each other. So we launched in our platform um, what we call Thrive Reset, which is 60 seconds based on the science that tells us that while stress is inevitable, cumulative stress is avoidable. So this 60-second research to focus on your breathing or... um, what you are grateful for, or get up and stretch, uh, come to you, either on the Thrive app or on uh, Microsoft Teams or Mm -hmm. Slack. So anytime you're feeling stressed or if you've been on wall-to-wall Zooms, you can take a break, 60-second break. Nobody can say, I don't have 60 seconds. And also, as part of our onboarding, we have every employee create their own reset, with things that give them joy, people, pets, uh, quotes, um, music. Um, One of my favorite quotes is um, Rumi, live life as though everything is rigged in your favor. So suddenly in 60 seconds, when I'm feeling stressed, I'm reminded of what I love about my life. Mm -hmm. And it interrupts the cycle of stress, which is key because... If stress becomes cumulative during the day, by the end of the day, you're feeling like you're marinated in cortisol. 
And then that's when people engage in dysfunctional behaviors, binge drinking, binge eating, um, binge scrolling <laughs> on your phone uh, to kind of calm themselves down and unwind. Yeah. The binge scrolling is quite an interesting thing because obviously I create content on TikTok and I know as a user too how addictive it is to yes. scroll on TikTok. And I, I hear that a lot of people do it as a way to escape from their reality. And that's probably what I do too. I do it as a stress relief. Do you think social media is ultimately a good thing or a bad thing for well-being? I think it depends on whether you have boundaries. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about social media. The work you are doing, helping people learn how to manage money is very important. But if you spend the night uh, binge scrolling instead of sleeping, you're going to wake up exhausted. And when you are exhausted, you are also more likely to engage in negative fantasies, to look at the world in dark colors, to put yourself down. I have that voice in my head that I call the obnoxious roommate living in my head that puts you down, that judges your mistakes. If you are recharged and connected with your own joy, um, everything is different. How does burnout intersect with mental health? So anxiety and depression, is it is it that people who have anxiety and depression are more likely to get burnt out? And the other way around. And the other way around. I think people who are burnt out uh, are more likely to be depressed and anxious. We've done actually um, a course and that's available on the Thrive platform with Stanford based on the latest brain research, which is identifying your stress types that if you don't address it, becomes depression and anxiety. And if you don't address it, you're more likely to burn out. Like mine, I'm a ruminator. Ruminators tend to, again, put yourself down, judge your mistakes. So I'm learning how to set what we call worry time so that if something comes up that upsets me about what I did or said or whatever, um, I, I tell that voice in my head, hey, you know, on Thursday we have worry time at 3.15 so we can handle it then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, negative bias is another stress type. You know, people who look at the future, which is very uncertain, especially now, and imagine the worst. And uh, it's kind of amazing the difference it makes when you're aware of what your own stress type is and what you can do to prevent what you're experiencing becoming depression and anxiety. Mm, I think I may be a ruminator too because I know... <laughs> Recently, I went on a podcast and I just felt like I didn't do a good job. I stuttered a lot and didn't really get my points across. And I spent the next two or three days just thinking about how upset I, I was at myself. And I was replaying the questions that I was asked in my head being like, oh, this would have been a better answer. Is that, does Amazing. that sound like a You sound like me, Erica. <laughs> no more. No more. You have to now decide that it's not worth it because we are always going to make mistakes. If we just learn from our mistakes and move on and come present, then 
we save so much energy because I remember I used to be so much like the person you described and it's the most exhausting and depleting thing because it's much more exhausting than doing the podcast <laughs> or writing the article or the book. So I have um, definitely <laughs> um, taught myself how to also use humor. You know, a sense of humor helps. Yeah. So your best advice for me would be to set aside, have the sense of humor and then set time to stress. Set a time. So when that voice comes and says, oh, the way you answered that question didn't make sense or whatever that voice says, it's a very bitchy voice. <laughs> Mine is too. Um, you just uh, you just say, okay, I get it. Uh, we're going to put that down when we have worry time. And you know it works. What are you worrying about these days? What do you still worry about? So my main worries are about my children. <laughs> I'm working on it. Uh, but I have two daughters, and uh, I'm very, very close to them. And I, I find um, that it's so important for me to deal with worries around them. I have really managed worries around work or anything else. So my, <laughs> my area of uh, improvement now is around my kids. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted people to walk away with three action items today to just improve their overall well-being, what would be the three action items you'd say? Great. Why don't we mention my three favorite micro steps? Yes. The first is um, when you decide that your working day is done, whenever that is, turn off your phone and charge it outside your bedroom. And as we discussed, Erica, if that seems super hard, do it one day a week. And then gradually you can add other nights. The other is in the morning when you wake up, can you take 60 seconds before you go to your phone to take some deep breaths? to set your intention for the day, or to just remember what you're grateful for. And the third micro step is what we call habit stacking. When you are doing something that doesn't require your brain, washing your hands, washing the dishes, can you use that time to remember three things you're grateful for? You know, it's quite amazing how our brain tends to focus on the problems in our lives. So we need to constantly remind ourselves of what we love about our lives because the truth is that life is always a mixture. There are great things and bad things. There is no life that consists only of amazing things, except on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a little closing tradition. Yes. I'm going to ask a final question. The podcast is called Erica Taught Me, yes. but really today is all about Ariana Huffington Taught Me. So what do you want people to be able to walk away saying, Ariana Huffington taught me this? So I want people to walk away knowing that we can bring joy into our lives so that we don't measure our life just by how productive we are, but how joyful we are. And when we give ourselves time to recharge, we are going to have more joy because when we are depleted and exhausted, it's very hard to be joyful. And from that place, we can make our best decisions, 
at work and in our lives. And from that place, we can be most loving and giving to the people we care about. And uh, why not, guys? It's kind of amazing to learn that as young as many of the people watching are, and then have your whole life to practice it. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for all you're doing. If you've enjoyed the episode, please take a moment to leave a review. It really helps support what we're doing. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday on a brand new episode of Erica Taught Me.